Hey everyone, it's Rich Bennett, host of Conversations with Rich Bennett, bringing you an exciting chance to win with our latest giveaway sponsored by Tar Heel Construction Group. Get ready to make a splash just by tuning into the podcast. Yes, you heard that right. While you're soaking up our latest episodes, listen closely for a special splash sound. When you hear it, remember the episode name. Here's what you do next. Shoot us an email at podcast at harfordcountyliving.com with the episode title. Each splash sound means a new chance to win. So the more you listen, the better your chances. If you don't have email, then just leave a voicemail from our website at conversationswithrichbennett.com. What's the prize? How about a brand new waterproof Bluetooth speaker? Perfect for listening to our episodes, whether you're in the bath, on the beach, in the pool or on the go. You have until the end of May to send in your entries and we'll announce the lucky winner on June 3rd. Don't miss out on this splashy opportunity brought to you by Tar Heel Construction Group. Dive into our episodes and win big. There are a lot of great podcasts out there. And one of the things that I've been doing is recommending a podcast at the end of each episode. So make sure you stay tuned to the very end because I guarantee you the podcast I recommend you're going to love. Since 1953, the Ark of Northern Chesapeake Region has helped people with differing abilities build better lives one person at a time. Supporting individuals and their families over the Ark of a Lifetime by empowering people with differing abilities to live, work, and thrive in the community. They offer so many services, but on this episode, we're going to focus on foster care. Enjoy the conversation. Coming to you from the Freedom Federal Credit Union Studios, Harford County Living presents Conversations with Rich Bennett. Come on, you're faster than me. Guys, yeah. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. Oh man, you already said it. I was going to ask her. She remembered the date. So here today, I'm joined by Jennifer Hathaway. Uh, she is sitting in the co-host seat. And we have Steve Acerno from the ARC Northern Chesapeake region. Yep. It's going to be talking about foster care. And I wanted him specifically on this because the ARC is nationwide. And it's, it surprises me how, people, how many people still don't know about the ARC and what they do which I don't understand. Why not? I mean, it's like one of the best kept secrets out there. Yeah, I, I think it is. And uh, every arc is a little bit different. Yeah. So each arc is run independently. Um, so the arc Northern Chesapeake region may not look exactly like another arc. Um, right. Even in the state of Maryland. Yeah, that's true. And it's, um, but the stuff, that, all right, if you can just give a, a brief overview of what the ARC actually does so everybody knows. Yeah, so we serve uh, individuals that have different abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether it's children in foster care, the, the program that, that I oversee, or adults, uh, we our mission is really to help those individuals work, thrive uh, in, in the communities that, that, that they live in. So the foster care program, which is what yeah. you run, um, Explain what that, I mean, is that like regular foster care, but for kids with different abilities? I mean, so, so it is foster care. It's a little bit different in that treatment foster care, we focus on kids who have higher level of needs. Okay. So these kids have usually 
mental health diagnosis, or they can have behavioral challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our program, we can also serve kids who are medically fragile, who have some chronic, serious medical issues. Okay. Um, so, so that's treatment foster care. Regular foster care or traditional foster care are kids who are in the foster care system, needs a loving, nurturing place to, to stay. Right. Uh, but they may not have the, the challenges that the kids that we serve. So our foster parents have extra training. They have extra support. Because the need is higher okay. for the kids. Okay, so when when you say foster care, the kids aren't staying there with you guys. You actually have foster parents in place. Yeah, so we license our own foster parents. Okay. They go through pre-service training, so become, before they become foster parents. Right. Um, they go through training. They go through a home study process. We want to make sure that they're a right fit for the program and that they are in a position where they can take care of kids who have higher level of need. Okay. The um, program that you guys have there, how long have you actually had the program? So our foster care program has been around, I believe, since 2001. 2001, okay. Um, yeah, and actually our CEO, uh, Sean Cross, she was the first director of, of the foster care program. Oh, that's right. I remember her telling me that now. Yeah. I forgot all about that. Yeah. So um, we've had many changes over the years. Right. I, I've been there uh, just under three years now. Um, and we've grown over that time and we hope to continue to grow. So what were you doing before this? So I was actually working at Baltimore County Social Services. But not with not with people with different abilities. No. So I was strictly working with kids. So I was supervising a foster care unit. Right. Um, so we had about 100 kids kids in foster care in my unit wow uh, that we had to make sure that they were well taken care of and i mean ultimately the the purpose of foster care is to get the kids out of foster care yeah so ideally we want to be out of a job so that because that would mean that kids are no longer in foster care um but sometimes it's necessary kids come into foster care really for three reasons one of three reasons it's either neglect physical abuse or sexual abuse and neglect is by far the most right. common of those. And you, you've you been at the ARC for three years? Almost three years, yeah. So you came over during COVID. I did. I did. Wow. So I, start, I started about a month and a half before COVID really hit and things shut down. So it's been, it's been a learning uh, experience for me, but it's been, actually been great. The support that I got initially just trying to learn the job yeah, uh, and know the people who I was working with um, was great. That support was great. Um, and we were able to pivot pretty quickly and, you know, do everything virtually. Our training went virtually. Um, our visits that our social workers have to have yeah. with the kids went virtually. Um, so it was definitely interesting uh, and unexpected change, but we made it work. Wow. So before the social services, I mean, have you always been into social services and foster care? Yeah, so I'm, so I'm a social worker uh, okay. by, by education. Um, started my career back in 2001 um, after 9-11. Um, and my wife and I moved down here to Maryland. Or, New York. Originally a New Yorker. Um, so then I, my first job was in a residential uh, group home uh, providing direct counseling to kids oh, who, who were in foster care um did that for several years 
uh, became a supervisor there, and then transitioned to Baltimore County Social Services. Right before 9-11? That's when I started, yep. So no, I was, yeah, yeah, a couple of months before. So yeah. you've been dealing with kids since they have gone through 9-11 and now through COVID. Yeah. You have had to face some challenges. Sure. I mean, you know, the, the work that we do, we have to expect the unexpected. Yeah, that's true. And every day is different, whether it's a big event like COVID or, you know, something going on in the world um, or just day-to-day things that come up. It's we never know what's going to happen. And so one of the things that we have to do as social workers is be flexible, knowing that we can have our day planned, we can have a schedule, um, but more than likely that's going to change throughout the day. It sounds like you have a good mindset for it. I mean, if everything you've been through, I mean, in all honesty, people in your career, I mean, for everything that you've been through, because to me, I'm sorry, 9-11 was bad enough. COVID, I think, was even worse because that affected everybody. Um, Have you seen a lot of people that could not, because it's got to be stressful, handle the stress and get out of the business? It is is very stressful. The field itself in social work is very stressful. There is a high burnout rate. Mm-hmm. Right now in the state of Maryland and really across the country, there's a, a massive shortage of social workers. Really? So much so that there are programs closing because they can't staff them. Wow. And, and so we're trying to uh, – I also belong to MARFI, which is uh, Maryland Association for Families and Youth. Okay. So it's basically a, a bunch of private programs, private providers – that we get together and we try to, you know, tackle some issues that are affecting all of us. And the workforce issue is a huge one that, mm-hmm. that we're trying to, to tackle and, and figure out. So, yeah, I'm lucky I'm knocking on wood that, uh, you know, we're fully staffed and we've been fully staffed um, really since I've been there. I've right. been, been at the ARC, which is a blessing because, you know, when, when workers leave, that means that relationship with the kids. Mm-hmm ends uh that relationship with the foster families and two and so then you have to restart those relationships and that could be difficult it could be time consuming um can be stressful on the kids too right yeah. i've heard that consistency is extremely important like well for any child or any person people usually like consistency but then when you have you know they get attached to somebody and then they have to build a new relationship yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that w- we have to deal with so much in, in terms of foster care is that loss is such a common thread for the kids uh, that we work with because they're in foster care. So they've lost at least living with their family. Mm-hmm. They've lost their community that they come from. They've lost their friends. They've lost probably the school that they were attending. Um, little things that you don't even like think about. Like yeah. if they have a pet, they lost the pet. Right. They lost... You know, if they don't have, like, their stuffed animals for the little kids, um, for, wow. the, for the teenagers, you know, they lose those connections sometimes with their, with their peers. So we do a lot of training over loss and how do you deal with that uh, in a way that can really help those kids um, get through that and, and navigate that. So the, the relationships is a huge part. You know, it's, I, I said it to someone the other day. In real estate, you know, it's location, location, mm-hmm. location. In foster care, it's relationships, relationships, relationships. Because our kids have been through trauma yeah, to whatever degree. Sometimes we know the story. Sometimes we don't know the full story. 
But even if they have one solid relationship with one adult that they can take, even when they leave foster care, that does so much good for them yeah. just in terms of self-esteem, self-worth, uh, and just being able to, to function in life, right? Like, how do you know how to do, like, daily things? Like, right. like our older kids, like, how do you balance a checkbook? How do you, you know, how do you go to things the bank? Things that aren't taught <laughs> right. exactly. anymore. Yeah, like, how do you manage money? Like, yeah. the, you have to learn that from someone. So, um, so that's a focus in our program is that yeah. we want to make sure that our staff, our foster families, really try to make that connection with the birth families that we work with. Because ultimately, again, our goal is to get the kids out of our program and yeah. back with their birth families, if possible. <laughs> so you came from social services in, to the ARC. So the kids have changed because now you're working with kids with different abilities. Sometimes I know it can be hard finding out what the problem, you know, like if whether they were sexually abused or not, sometimes you may not know that, right? Right. Uh, what was the big adjustment for you coming from social services to the ARC? Well, you know, it's interesting because a lot, when I was at social services, we would send out referrals uh -huh. to different programs needing a foster home or a group home for a kid. Um, and so it's, it's those, the same kids that we see, that I see now at the ARC. And so okay. we, we get referrals from social services across the state. It's not just in Hartford County. Oh, wow. We have kids come from to us from anywhere in the state. Um, on average, we're, we get about 100 referrals a month um, wow. that, we have wow. to, that we have to say no to because we don't have enough foster families. Wow. So the only way we can increase the number of kids we serve is if we increase the number of foster families we have. And that's the huge challenge is how do we, one, educate the community about mm -hmm. the need – because that's that's important, but then also try to identify families that qualify. Not only qualify, but have sort of a deeper meaning or passion to want to foster. Right. Because there are some people who, you know, contact us and they they want to they want to get into the program. They they want to foster, but there's a vetting process that we have to do. Right. And some of the questions we ask is like, why do you want to do this? Because it's really hard. Yeah. It's really hard, but the benefits are really high also yeah but so we found that the the foster parents who do this for a long time who are successful at it who are really good at making connections with kids um they really like it's a part of them like it's it's a calling for them yeah. it's, a, it's a passion for them and so we're trying to seek those those folks out in the community so how does somebody go about becoming a foster parent especially for the yark yeah, so they would uh, the easiest way that they could reach out is through our website. Uh, we have uh, a treatment foster care tab on the website, mm -hmm. and it's great. We just redid the website, so it's 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 an easy thing to navigate. Okay, on the website and under treatment foster care, there's actually videos of some of the kids in our program nice. that that they talk about not just their experience but also what they want to see in a foster family. Right. So you hear it from their perspective. Oh, that's, I like that. Which, that's is, awesome. which is great. And then yeah. we have some other videos uh, of foster parents telling their story and telling why they got involved in fostering um, and what what keeps them going. So, right. yeah, so if anyone's interested in learning more about it or have, you know, expressing interest, wanting to connect with us, the website is is the best way to 
find out a little bit more about our program and then also um, just leave some basic information. And what's the website address? Yeah, so it's arcncr.org. Very easy to remember. Yeah. ARCNCR. Try to try to make it as easy as possible yeah, for folks. I, I yeah. love that. Yeah. So with the, with the foster parents, and I don't know if you actually have the numbers for this, because um, I, I have a uh, – Friends of mine that live around the corner used to be foster parents all the time, and I think they ended up adopting two of the kids okay. that they had. Yeah. Do you are you seeing a lot of these foster families adopt the kids that they were fostering? I wouldn't say a lot. I okay. think you know in the past couple of years since I've been with the Ark, we we've had a handful of adoptions. Okay, which is great because yeah. those those kids, the return to their their biological family was not possible. Mm-hmm. And so they needed permanency, and really, permanency is our number one goal: is trying to make sure that that child is in their forever family, whether that's their biological family or an adoptive family. Okay. Um, and we we talk with our foster parents about it. That you know we we're a team, and so we we are constantly communicating about what the plan is for that child. And sometimes those plans change. Sometimes we think that child's going back home. Um, and maybe the courts say, no, that can't happen. Oh, okay. Right. And then, because ultimately the courts make that decision. Okay. So we make a recommendation to social services, and then social services makes a recommendation to the court. Okay. So there's lots of players. They have, yeah. you know, right. the biological parents have their attorneys. Social services has their attorney. Kids have their own attorney. So wow. um, the court process can be very cumbersome and very lengthy uh it's needed like yeah it has to be a part of it but um it can drag out the life of a of a of a case um wow for a fair amount of time meanwhile it seems like the kid well if the kids at the foster family i guess hopefully they're okay otherwise they could be just that could be a lot of stress on the kid oh it is it is and there are times when the kids have to go to court Oh, man. And so trying to prepare kids for that, what is that going to mean? And depending on how old that child is, it can be extremely stressful Like, because it's an open courtroom. Yeah. Right? And so anyone can be sitting in the courthouse hearing your story, hearing what what's wrong you know, with mom and dad. Why can't they have you, know, you back? And, and yeah. so – I mean, if we if you just imagine yourself, you you wouldn't want to hear all of your sort of personal business out there. And now, if you know you're a ten year old kid having to go to court, or even like a seventeen, eighteen year old young adult, you know, it's it's a difficult a difficult uh, process to go through. How's that work? And correct me if I'm wrong here, but how's that work with you know some of the kids? Because you you have kids in the program that could have autism. Down syndrome, cerebral palsy. Some of them can't speak for themselves. Right. So how's that work for them? Yeah. So every kid in foster care has a lawyer. Okay. Um, And so that lawyer is their advocate. Um, A lot of the kids in our program also have CASA workers. Uh, So CASA workers are court-appointed advocates. Um, They're not social workers. They're not um, part of social services. They're sort of a separate entity. Um, and their job is to advocate for the, for the kids, for the kids, whether they're too young to really verbalize Understand, what they yeah. want um, or unable uh, to communicate. Um, so there are people involved that mm-hmm. their sole purpose is is to advocate. Wow. 
So with COVID, yes, um, have you seen the numbers go up or down? So it's interesting. In the height of COVID, we saw the number of referrals go down slightly. Okay. And, and I think that was mostly due to the kids not being in school. Right. Because the schools are a huge yeah, source of referrals. Of yeah, because things. the kids are in school, what, seven, eight hours a day. So teachers see things, or if they have concerns, they'll call mm-hmm. social services. So when everything went virtual and school was virtual, we saw a dip in referrals. Since then, um, we've seen a spike in referrals. Mm-hmm. I mean, this past May and June, we were about at 130 referrals just for those two months. Wow. Um, and again, those are, those are referrals that we had to say no to because either we were – we didn't have a good match because mm-hmm. we, and some people say, well, you know, there are foster homes out there that don't have kids in them. And that might be true, but it's all about the match. Yeah. And so if let's say we get a referral for a, a 17 year old and we, we might have families that have space available, but want sort of middle school age or elementary yeah. school age. And so we don't want to set the family up or the child up not to be successful. Um, so sometimes people are confused. Well, you say there's a need, but there's also foster homes that don't have kids in them. You know, what, what's that yeah. about? So it's really about the fit. So we, try, we do our best to ask as many questions as we can <clears throat> ahead of time, making sure that it's, it's the right fit. And I, man, so with the kids that, you have to say no to where, what happens with them? I mean, hopefully another they're picked up somewhere else, but if not, I mean, yeah. So it's, it's an, it's not an easy answer. So if we say no to them, hopefully other programs throughout mm-hmm. the state, at least one of them will say yes. Um, but if social services can't find a foster home for a particular kid, the next step up would be a group home, right? especially for the older kids. Um, and right now there's a huge need for foster parents for teenagers because a lot of foster families want the little kids. Yeah, they don't they want them like, as they get older. Well they, well, they feel like, you know, it's maybe a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. You don't have to deal with the teenage angst sometimes, yeah. um, which is true. Uh, but there's also challenges with the little kids um, that you don't have with the older ones. So um, that's been uh, – a real need across the state and really across the country that there's just not enough foster families for teenagers. Now, do you know if any of these foster kids are actually not the ones in the system, but the ones that aren't in the system, do you know if any of them are homeless? Cause it seems like that number is going up too. Yeah. I don't know the numbers in terms of homeless okay. um, kids, but yeah, I mean, they're certainly at risk to entering the foster care system. Um, but yeah, I would. That would be interesting to to know what the rate or what the percentage is. Yeah, of, and I don't think the county's done the count yet. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I yeah. think it would be also hard to get an accurate number of that. Oh, you'll never. Yeah, they'll yeah. never get an accurate right. ac- ac- that accurate count. Yeah, a true count. Right. Whew. All right, I failed English. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, and here's where Jennifer goes and starts cracking on me. <laughs> no, no, no. So walk me through um, what if, if a family that, you know, 
most people know that foster care exists, but they might not know all of the ins and outs, and it might just seem overwhelming, like something that you know they don't have the capacity for. That they just it seems too involved that they, you know, they just don't reach out to even see what they could do. Like yeah. when they might actually be a good foster home. You know, walk me through what you would kind of explain to them what the process is to um, be a foster family. Yeah. So, you know, if someone calls us up and is like, I'm not sure if I want to be a foster parent, you know, tell me a little bit about the process. The first step would be, um, so we have an application. And that application is just some basic information, why you're thinking of maybe becoming a foster parent. Um, and, and really, it starts with the conversation. It starts okay. with why do you want to be a foster parent? Like, and then what's your understanding of it? So, I think some people might just hear those numbers and that might just spark interest. Yeah. 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 And, and we hope it does because it's, you know, in just in Hartford County, there's about, what, I think 90,000 households in, in the county. I don't know what the households are. I think the population is like 265,000. Yeah. And so, so we have about 200 kids in foster care in Hartford County. So if you sort of do the math, it's like less than one half of 1% right. that we need. You know, So it's not a huge number that we need in terms of foster families, uh, but we still don't have enough. So, yeah. it's, so if someone's interested, we, we ask them to fill out application. We go through, um, the next step would be to participate in one of our information meetings. And so you, it's a real brief introduction to what foster care is the types of kids that we have in our program right. and what the expectation is of a family. After that, they would start our training. So it's 25 hours of training. They would sit down with our recruiter, who is great in terms of um, educating them on what to expect. Right. Knowing that we, we don't know everything about every situation. Right. Uh, but really having the flexibility and the self-awareness to know what your triggers are as, yeah. as a caregiver, as a parent, because the most successful foster parents we have are the ones that have a high degree of self-awareness, that they know what their triggers are, they know the, the issues that they struggle with, and they know how they can really make an impact on the kids. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's something that we talk a lot about. And it's not easy, like for any of us. Yeah. Like even, you know, not dealing with foster care, it's not easy to, to do that sort of self-reflection and really be honest with yourself. And, you know, if you have a family, for your family members to do that right. too, mm -hmm. like your spouse, kids, whoever is in your household, they also have to do that. Because if you're going to be a foster parent, you really have to know yourself well enough to say, I can't do that, or I'm really good at this. And so... This this is, you know, the type of child that I think I would do best with. Right. Okay. Um, so they go through that training. Okay. And then there's a home study where they would meet one of our social workers. And our social worker goes out to their home. We ask all sorts of questions. Um, we Sometimes, you know, the prospective foster parents will ask, like, why are you asking these personal questions about me? Like, my... So if, so if I'm a prospective foster parent, I'm going to be asked questions about my background, my right. childhood, mm -hmm. my uh, relationships. Well, right. And so, but it's, it, it's personal. And yeah. so I could, I totally understand when people feel a little um, uneasy uh, about that. 
But there's a reason we do that because we really need to know the families yeah. that we work with so that we can make that match when it comes time to, you know, get those referrals and making sure that we're making a good match for those kids. You're basically all you're doing. You're doing a background check, but going one step further and interviewing that. Well, and we're also doing background checks. Well, and you so, have to, right? Because even with the red cancel on churches and everything, if as an adult, most places now, if you're doing anything for the kids, you have to go right. through a background check now. Yeah, and we ask people about their finances. We yeah. have to make sure that they could pay their own bills. Mm-hmm. Um, foster parents do get a stipend for caring for the kids, but they can't rely on that stipend to meet their own basic financial right. commitments. So, yeah, so we ask, <clears throat> we ask a lot of questions, um, but it's all for a reason. It, it's not just because we want to be nosy or, uh, you know, want to get into their business. So you say you actually, you know, during the interview process, you go out to the families, yep. to their homes to interview them. Yeah. So do you also look at the neighborhood? Because that can play a big part as well. So we look, we first look at that at the house, Right? Okay. Or, or the apartment. So foster parents can live in an apartment, townhome, single-family home. Right. doesn't matter. Uh, farm. We, farm. <laughs> but we need to make sure that the house is safe. Yeah. And so there's a checklist that we go through. And most times families have to make some modifications. Usually it's not anything too big. Um, but a perfect example and something we run into a lot are if, you, if folks have corded blinds, mm-hmm. right? Oh, right, they can't have corded blinds in their right. in their home if they want to be a foster parent. So they have to make a decision: do they th- replace those blinds or not? Yeah. And for some people, you know, if if you get custom blinds that have cords, it could be really expensive. Yeah, and and they they may not want to do that. Um, so it's things like that. Or if you have a pool, you have to have a gate around it. Um, if you have firearm, there's lots of rules about right. mm-hmm. how to store that. Um, so there's there's a whole checklist that we have to go through. Um, Things that you would think that every household would make a priority or like kind of like follow yeah. those you would hope. requirements. Yeah. But. Well, it's just like when you have a baby, you know, you're childproof in the house. Right. Exactly. If you have steps, yep. you you got to look at that stuff. Right. Um, and then if you're getting a teenager that has a different ability, I'm sure you got to look at that shower, make sure they have the non-slip stuff in there. It's little things people don't mm-hmm. think about, right. but oh, can yeah. cause severe injuries. Sure. You know, and, and they don't think about that stuff. Yeah. Um, so part of the home study is that sort of like logistical, practical. These are things that we have to check on. The right. other part is talking about sort of the clinical side mm-hmm. of foster care and so we have lots of kids in our program that struggle with some type of mental health Mm -hmm. concerns and so it's it's understanding how you would care for a child who is depressed or who's very anxious Mm -hmm. or who has attachment issues and what that behavior looks like um so again we don't know exactly every situation is different right But to have those conversations about, you know, if a child says that they want to hurt themselves, would you be okay hearing that as a caregiver? And some some families wouldn't be okay. Yeah. And that's fine. Um, But it's those types of conversations that we have about, you know, where 
what are, what are the things you're comfortable with? What are the things you're not comfortable with? But then we also try to challenge some of our foster parents and say, well, how, how can we get you more comfortable with some of these things? Right. Be, because and, they have strengths in other areas. And I'm guessing if that does pop up, even unexpected, like you guys never – you could do all of the studying and um, preparing that you can, but then things happen or – you know, they might say something like that, and it was, you know, totally unexpected. They're, they have that, they have you guys as a resource to lean on and reach mm-hmm. out to. Yeah, so the great thing is that we have, um, our staff and myself, we're available to the foster parents 24-7, seven days a week. Wow. Um, so it's, we have an on-call rotation, so if it's 5 in the morning, if it's 11 o'clock at night, if they have an issue, a, a, an emergency, they can call us. Right, that's um, good. And right. well, we can be out in the. I home. lean on Google for everything, yeah. so it's. <laughs> nice that, I'm googling like everything. Things I'm like I would have never thought I would ever be googling this, but here I am. Yeah, we're in constant contact with the foster families, and the, the families feel comfortable reaching out to their specific social workers. Mm-hmm. But they also have my number that they can call or text me at any point. The kids that are going through mental illness mm-hmm. before, I mean, if you're talking to them, because a lot of kids that are going through mental illness also require a therapist. Sure. So if they're in foster care of one family, but then they go to another family, are they able to keep that same therapist? Do you know? So ideally, yes. Okay. Sometimes, no. Okay. So a lot of it has to do with location. Right. So, for example, if we if we have a child enter our program from Baltimore County mm-hmm. or Baltimore City, and if our foster parent lives in Harford County, or we have we have some families that live in Cecil County, the distance then becomes a barrier right. to keep that service provider. Okay, we do our best to make make sure <laughs> that 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 continues. Yeah, um, but practically, sometimes sometimes it's, it's not feasible. Right, it's not possible. Yeah, yeah. But that's good. At least you try, because I know, um, you know, not just kids, but even adults, if they have a therapist, they they're more attached to that therapist. They trust. I guess it's the trust. Sure, mm-hmm. you trust them more. Right. And then when you go to a new therapist, it's it's like starting all over again. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like us. You know, if we have to switch doctors for right. whatever yeah. reason, you know, I I don't like doing that. Um, yeah. So, but then you you know you multiply that. You know, when you talk about a therapist, you're talking about some very personal things. Yep. Um, and for a kid, yeah, that trust is is so important. So with the ARC, because you guys, you're 501c3, right? Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things you do besides asking people for donations that you actually do to help raise funds? Because putting kids into foster care is going to take money as well. Right. But what are some of the things you do, you know, to help raise funds for that? So, you know, it, it's interesting because our focus isn't necessarily on raising funds for foster care. Oh, okay. It's more about education well, and and getting families interested right. in, in participation. Because in terms of the finances, foster parents receive a stipend mm-hmm. every month for, for providing that service. The state of Maryland then pays every provider, every program right. a certain amount each each month, you know, depending on, on certain factors. Um, so our number one focus isn't necessarily fundraising for foster care. It's more about identifying the families 
so that we can serve more kids. Because okay. our program specifically, we're licensed for 36 kids that we can have. Oh. That's at max right now. We've been averaging around 20 kids. And part of that is because we don't have enough families right. to then get more kids in. And and it's sort of a fun fact about our program is that we're the only treatment foster care program in Hartford County. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. And most people don't know that. <laughs> so, yeah, wow. we're, we're the only one. So it makes us unique, not just because we're the only one, but in terms of geographical location, if DSS is looking for a treatment foster care program mm-hmm. in Hartford County, we're the only one. Cecil County doesn't have one. Oh. And so they, they're looking to us as well. Wow. And so it's – so, yeah, so the need is – Tremendous, right? Um, and the way we can serve more kids is, is again by having having more families. So if you get more people to contact you to become a foster family, then that number can go from thirty six to forty two to fifty, and just keep climbing and climbing. Yeah, I mean my my goal is that over time we we can ask the state for more capacity, right? So that we can serve more kids. Um, our our program is somewhat unique in that there's really three different types or three different parts of our program. Uh-huh. One part is sort of what we call regular treatment foster care, which is we can serve kids anywhere from birth all the way up to age 21. They, they age out at, at 21. Okay. But we also have a part of our program that serves medically fragile kids, that we have mm-hmm. foster homes that are willing to um, taking kids who have severe medical issues. Mm-hmm. We can also accept um, teenage moms into our program. Oh, wow. And so to keep the the teenage mom and their child together, mm-hmm. we have foster homes that are that are willing and, and able to do that. That's good. Yeah, yeah. it's important, right? Yeah. It's the attachment issue. It's the, you know, just because uh, a teenager might be in foster care doesn't mean that they should be separated from their right from their infant so um, those are the, sort of the three different parts of our program that's great so what do your numbers i mean i hate to say it like numbers but yeah. i mean if you're trying to um ask the state for more uh funds or whatever you guys need to provide those services what do you have to like, what are they looking for to be like, you know what? I think it's time to reevaluate this. We need another location or we need this. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's can we sustain serving a larger number of kids in our program? So, again, we're averaging 20 right now for the past year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love it if we were able to average 24 uh, or 25 or even more than that. But again, that it goes. It all goes back to: Do we have enough families to then accept kids? Okay. And so it's it's sort of this balancing act of, yeah, we need more families, but we need to make the right match. Right. And so it's it's a it's a again it's a balancing act that we we always have to look at and say you know what can we do better mm-hmm. you know in terms of not just the, the service we're providing but what can we do better in terms of making matches right because it's definitely not a process that you want to rush you can't just oh, rush no, no. it yeah, yeah. but what is right. the estimated time frame from when a family fills out that initial application to then bringing a child into their home to start um you know a new life there 
Yeah, so when a person submits their application, we have 120 days to complete that home study okay. process. So within 120 days, we have to make a decision either to license them as foster parents or not. Right. Right. If we have concerns or, or if the family says, you know what, I changed my mind, I don't want to do it. If if we approve them after that, and this is this can be somewhat of frustration, is that we don't know exactly when uh, a, a new family will get a child into right. their home because we can't predict when the when the right you know child will come the you know, perfect in, match right in terms of the referrals. So we we often encourage new families to provide respite. So that means that for a day, a weekend, or even a week, they can help out one of our one of our other foster families. That's okay. a great idea. So let's say a foster family is they have to go out of state because you know there's a death in the family, right. and they don't really want to take uh, a child to a, you know a funeral. Mm-hmm. They'll ask us to help coordinate respite. So we'll set that up with another family in our program. Just for like a, a weekend, right? Um, but it gives a new foster family that opportunity. Sort of gets their feet wet. On, yeah. Okay, this is what it feels like to have a child in a home, even if it's just for a weekend. Um, it gets them used to the idea of this is what it's like to be a foster parent. This is what it's like to call a social worker if there's questions, uh, things like that. I like that. Yeah. Can families like if they know that they don't have the capacity to have a foster child in their home full-time, can they apply just to be there and support the program in that way? Like you're, they're just oh, yeah. on call for Yeah, absolutely. We, we have families now that are just respite families, and we love them because we need them. At any, any point, there can be a situation unexpected. If a kid has to come home from school for, you know, if they're sick right. or something oh happens, gosh. and that foster family is working and can't get to the school in time. And if our social workers can't get there, maybe, you know, one of our other foster families can help out for a few hours. Yeah, I'm sure they're lifesavers. Yeah. So, and there've been times and we call them with very little notice. Right. Very like, and it might be, you know, in the evening and say, hey, you know, this just happened. Can you help us for tonight? And that's a huge advantage to the the families that are doing – um, who are considering bringing a child in full time mm-hmm. that they have that support because yeah, yeah. that could be one of the reasons that they don't look into it because they're like, well, you know, I, what if this happens or what if that happens? Right, right. Okay. And, and we really try to <laughs> encourage our foster families to make connections with each other. Like it, they always have us, right. the staff, for support and, and guidance. But, you know, the the, the best th- times or the, or the best things that, that happen is when foster parents sort of organize their own respite, and mm-hmm. then, then they just let us know, which is great. That's Be- amazing. Yeah. And, and it's like, okay, yeah, you, you, work, you, know, you all work it out, and you let us know, and that's wonderful. But that's like – that's almost like your end goal there. Like, you guys worked up to that point to, like, now you see it. That's This is happening. Yeah, These right. families are working together. The kids are being, you know, getting the care that they need. And Well, not only that, with the kid, when you have families like that joining together to help each other out, then you're also, the kids are making friends. Right. Sure. Yeah, you know, which is important as well. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. and, you know, this uh, last month we held, we hosted a bowling event. 
mm-hmm. oh, um, where we had our foster families, the kids come, but we also invited birth families to come and Casa to come. Okay. And so it was a time where they, we all just got together, had fun bowling, and it was, it was talking about those relationships. And sometimes conversations, you know, in our world of foster care, you know, we talk a lot about problems mm-hmm. right. and, and things that are not going well. Right. And sometimes kind of we just have to, yeah, we have to celebrate the things that, celebrate that are going well. Yeah. So that was, you know, and we do things throughout the year, but that, that's, that was the most recent thing. I was going to oh, say, great. with the holidays coming up, I'm sure you guys are busy doing a lot of things. Yeah, we you? try to plan, you know, something for the kids and families. We want to acknowledge all the mm-hmm. hard work that they do throughout the year. Um, and it's, you know, the holidays. The holidays are a great time, but they can also be a really hard time. Yes. Especially yeah. for the kids. And so we have to be sensitive to that. We right. have to understand what the specific needs are for, for each child and, mm-hmm. and how they view the holidays. Because for some kids... Holidays or not, they don't like them. No, they would rather skip them and just right. go to the next, yeah. you know, to the new right. year. Yeah, I, I can I can see that. I mean, there's just some holidays, not just kids, but even people. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah, really like you know, it's, yeah, um, especially it's hard on them. Yep. You know, if there's a, a death in the family or something, and you're approaching, this is the first Christmas without mm-hmm. them, or you know, right. it's I can totally understand how you just want to sleep through it, and for a kid. It's just yeah for the kids who were maybe this is their first time in foster care right. you know first time away from their family traditions the, are so special yeah. so to to not have that you know that's really sad yeah you know the good thing that our foster parents do though is that they they make it special for the kids yeah. that if the kids can't be with their biological family for the holidays right they really embrace them into their own traditions. That's and, amazing. And include mm-hmm. them into their own, you know, celebrations, whatever they are. Good. So what are other ways that people can help? Like how are, if if families know that they can't provide a home for a child, are there other ways that they can help support the program? Yeah. So, um, you know, talking about CASA, you know, mm-hmm. that that's a great way if folks want to be involved in the foster care system but feel like for whatever reason they can't be a foster parent, they, they don't want to provide respite, that's totally fine. We know it's not for everybody. Um, but being a, an advocate for kids in foster care is amazing. I, I know Hartford County is always looking for more advocates. Yes. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> if that's something that people are interested in, uh, yeah, I think that's a great way to – to uh, again, sort of speak for some kids who uh, who don't have as big of a voice. Okay, and then what about? Or do you guys ever look for donations for clothes or shoes? Or not that the winter is coming, jackets and like hats and gloves, like those types of things. So we have gotten them throughout the years, <clears throat> um, and, and the Ark in general is always looking for volunteers. Volunteers, right? okay. Yeah, so if someone is interested in, in being a volunteer, they can certainly go on the ARC's website, on our website, um, and there's there's a, a, a tab that you can go in and to, to express your interest. Okay. You can call and that us might up. lead to them, you know, if they volunteer Becoming for six months family. or something, they're, they're like, you know what, I, I want to take the next step and I want to yeah. do mm-hmm. this. Yeah, and some of the other ways, you know, it's – some of the other um, team members of the ARC, so people who work at the ARC, they can't be foster parents with us because that, that's a conflict. But okay. 
but we all we always talk about it because they may know someone mm-hmm. who might be interested or they may have a connection to a community organization where we can talk with so um yeah so in terms of volunteering um they can certainly there's so many different ways to volunteer through the arc foster care is just one of them right um so i would encourage anyone who's interested in volunteering in any kind of way um to to reach out to the arc and and you know express their interest okay that's that's good to know um is there an age limit to volunteer so like if you have if there's kids in the program that have not found a new home yet and let's say I have an 8-year-old daughter mm-hmm. would she be able to come with is there like a you know like a playtime where um let's just say that you have another 8-year-old girl in the program that would love to have another friend for a couple of hours is that something So it it depends on the situation mm-hmm. so for okay. example right. case by case. Yeah so example the arc uh, we had uh, a camp this past summer Oh fine um for n- not just kids in foster care it was anybody uh, you know in the community that that wanted um for you know kids that have different abilities that could participate in that so the volunteers for that camp were teenagers Right okay um and so it it really depends on what you want to do um what I would suggest is if anyone is interested either volunteering as an adult or maybe as a family wanting to volunteer in some way to contact us and they can talk to folks that would sort of guide them through that process of volunteering. The other thing you can do, Jen, is have her join because you, you guys have other organizations that will come out and volunteer, right? Like lions, leaves, oh yeah, scouts, oh, okay. yeah. stuff right. like yep. that. Right. So that's a, so she, that's another way to get involved that way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, lots of different ways to get involved. It really depends on the person's desire and, mm-hmm. and what they feel comfortable doing, and then we can always try to help navigate the yeah the 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 system in terms of finding where where the right fit is for them in terms of volunteering. Cool. There's a lot of opportunity there. And I know a lot of businesses around here that have that have started like a corporate social yeah. responsibility, the um, CSR program. They are always looking for other organizations that they can help support. Yeah, yeah. You get that's one thing I love about Hartford County. A yeah. lot of businesses support the nonprofits. Oh yeah, we, we talked yeah. about Joe Ayler earlier. Mm-hmm. He is he sits on so many boards; it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 but he's always giving back. Well, yeah, Paul Majewski's another. Yeah, a lot of these guys that do that. It's also what I love about your podcast, though, is because you you make a lot of people aware of these. Like a lot That's of people idea, might not yeah. even know right. that that this is that they can volunteer for something like this. They might right. think that that's, you know, out of their league, but there's definitely ways that they can get involved. Right. Right. Well, and the other thing is too, and Steve and I were talking about this before we started recording because the arc is nationwide. So we're just hearing about here in Hartford County, but throughout the country, you know, wow, I'm sure right. they need more families, sure. you know, volunteers, well, and even, you know, our ARC, ARC in Northern Chesapeake region, we're always looking for new team members. Yeah. Right? There's there's always, you know, there's a a shortage of, of, of workers out there. Yeah. And so we're always looking to, you know, trying to get the awareness out there that if you want to work for an organization and feel like you're making a real impact in someone's life, the ARC might be a good fit. Mm-hmm. Because whether you're working with kids in foster care mm-hmm. or the adults in, in, our, uh, in our other programs, 
you make a direct impact on, oh, yeah. on these oh, people's absolutely. lives in a real way that you can actually see. And that that speaks to people. Yes. That's, it's right. not just a paycheck. It really is, you know, what what's my purpose, mm-hmm. right, in, in, in not just in the community, but, you know, just in, well, in life. Like you said earlier, like it is hard, but the benefits – like that, you, oh, yeah. I don't think you can get a better benefit than I've that. I've always said something, something better than money is feeling your heart grow. Sure, because yeah. you've helped out somebody. Well, and you know what? What I what I remind myself and, and try to remind others too is thirty, forty years from now, right? Mm-hmm. When you look back in your career, and what are you going to remember, right? Are you yeah. gonna, are you going to remember the things that were frustrating or are you going to remember the moments where you really made an impact yep and i i think i hope that i'm going to remember those moments where that that whatever we did made a difference in that kid's life Mm -hmm. in a real way and in in a long-lasting way that affected them in in some positive yeah positive way exactly and that's i mean that's the main thing just Helping others, whether it be through the arc, whether it be through something else, yeah. but helping others. And that's, I, th- I think that's something you're starting to see more and more. Mm-hmm. Not enough, but more and more. Yeah. You saw it a lot <clears throat> during COVID. Well, I think COVID, yeah. as bad as COVID was and, and is, yeah. I think the silver lining in it is that it it made people rethink how they want to live absolutely and not just in terms of like work-life balance but really in terms of how do i want to live how do i want to contribute to the world yes and my community and places like the arc or like casa or social services it gives you that opportunity to to see the change as it's happening and not just um sort of checking boxes or, you know, pushing papers because it's not, yeah. we're very hands-on and you get to see the growth, not just of kids, but of, of the adults, you know, what I've changed over the years, just in my experience, being a social worker in child welfare. Right. Um, and so it affects us all in, in different ways. So it's, it's, it's great work. It's hard work, but it's, it's great work. And um, yeah, so I would encourage anybody who's thinking about maybe a different career path or um, just wanting to change and wanting to sort of test it out or volunteer, anything like that, um, yeah, to give us a call or reach out to us. So if you weren't doing social work, what do you think you would be doing now? Oh, I don't know. My dream was to be a, a shortstop for the for New York, New York Yankees. Yankees. I knew he was going to say yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. He's from Long Island. What do you, you got to explain you know, it. <laughs> Derek Jeter took that from me. But um, <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, I've, I've been doing this for so long yeah. that it's, it's really part of how I define myself. I've, I always wanted to give back. I was brought up in that you, you do whatever you want to do, whatever speaks to you but you have to serve others in some way. Right. Right. And so this is, this has been my way and, um, continues to be. So if you were going to write a book Uh (laughs) (laughs) about your journey through this, because what you're doing is awesome. I love it. I mean, you've been doing it since school. Um, what would the title of your book be? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I would say 
always keep hope. Oh, I like that. Because there, there have been times for me personally where I, I question, am I making an impact? Yeah. Right? Because sometimes you can't see it, mm-hmm. you know, in the moment when you're sort of in the weeds. Um, but you have to remind yourself that progress is not always quick. And that there have been yeah. times when I've gotten a random phone call from a kid I used to work with like 15 years ago. And now he has his own family. Oh, my gosh. And he's he's helping other people. And he just called me just to say hi, or he like he friended me on Facebook, you know things like that. Um, that's those are the moments when yeah. it's like you know what this is worth Chills. it. Chills, yeah. Do yeah. you ever have? Do you have interviews with people like that that share their stories? Like, I don't know if the right word would be a, like a success story, but like I feel like that gives families hope that. You know, because like you said, sometimes when you're like in the weeds and it's hard every Mm -hmm. single day, it is hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But then you get that phone call and you're like, wow. Right. You know what? So we just started a few months ago. We started our own podcast. I was going to ask you about that. I I think I told Sean that that's something you guys should do. Yeah. So for for Treatment Foster Care, we just started our first episode was with CASA of Harford County. And then our second one that we just finished was with Sark. Of, oh, that's of, of awesome. Harford County. That's what I have yeah, to get on. Th- that's one of the things that one of my goals is to try to get someone, an adult who was in the foster care system, to tell their story um, in a way that, you know, can speak to mm-hmm. kids who are either in the system now or who've been through it before. And, and really right. to families who might be interested in becoming exactly. foster parents. Exactly. And you never know who yeah. it's going to catch their attention or who would, would resonate with. My first boss grew up in the foster care system. Okay. Now he's, he got his pilot's license. Um, he built a successful company. And yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because lots of times kids are referred to as foster kids. I like I don't like to say that at all. Because okay, so that, yeah, correct, it, correct the public. Yeah, like so it, it's really, you know, kids who are, are in foster care. Okay. But if you say foster care kids, then it's it's almost like you're defining them that way. and But so that foster care doesn't define them at all. It's situational that they're in foster care now. They went through the yeah. foster care They program. went through the, the system um, but that doesn't define who they are because some of the kids who've graduated from our programs, you know, our program are doing great. Even the mm-hmm. ones that are in it now, we have a lot of our teenagers who are working now, going to school, going to HCC. Awesome. Um, yeah. So there's just great things happening uh, that we want to try to promote and to celebrate. Right. I mean, it's great to make everybody aware of the struggles and you know ways that you guys need support, but then it's incredible to be able to share those Mm -hmm. success stories. Yeah. I love that you said that, you know, not foster kids. Right. Because I think it was Sean that told me this. We've always referred to people as either mentally challenged, mentally disability. As she said, that term is out the window, differing abilities, which I love even more because there right. are some kids and adults with different abilities that can do things better than Absolutely. a lot of oh, yeah. us. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's to, to see some of the things that these people do 
is simply amazing. Yeah. I mean, we, right now in our program, we have athletes. Mm-hmm. We have artists. We have hard workers. Uh, you know, and I'm talking about in terms of kids in, yeah. in our program. Um, it, it's just inspiring to, to see how really, uh, you know, uh, resilient they are in everything that they've been through and still being able to, to achieve things to be successful. And also my hope more than any of that is to be happy. Yeah. Right. You, you can achieve things, you can be mm-hmm. successful, but are you happy? Is, is your mental health in a good spot? Um, yeah. And that's one of the things that we try to try to focus in on. All you listening, I, I, I have a challenge for you. So, if you could find an arc center by you, um, or any place where they, a, a school, any place where they have people with different abilities, go there, spend an hour, just find one and talk, find one person and talk with them. If you can spend the whole day, do that because you're going to learn so much. Yeah. And my, I had a cousin that had Down syndrome. I just learned so much from being a hugger with the Special Olympics sure. and everything. And um, another young girl, God, I love her, who had uh, cerebral palsy. Learned so much from her. Yeah. It's just all these different people with different abilities, if you hang out with them, you can learn so much from them. And yeah. so true. learn more about them and how you can help them. Or... How they can help you. Sure. Because if you're going through depression or anxiety, yep. you talk to somebody, and I guarantee you, they're going to bring a smile to your face. That's so true. Well, yeah. That's and so and you learn so much about yourself. Yes. Through mm-hmm. the work. So it's, you know, I certainly don't have all the answers. My staff, as wonderful as they are, mm-hmm. they don't have all the answers. Nobody does. Right. But it's, it's understanding that as we do the work, not only are we helping other people, but we're also learning about ourselves and yeah. how, how can we challenge ourselves to be better, you know, in the things that we're, that, that we have to do. Tell everybody the website again. Yeah. So it's arcncr.org. So it's arcncr.org. Um, and there you can, we have our treatment foster care tab that folks can click on if they have any interest in having a conversation with us. They could just leave their their name and number, uh, and we'll reach back out to them, and uh, we'll start the conversation. Jennifer, you have anything for him? I'm excited about this. I definitely want to learn more about volunteering, and I'm so happy to kind of get an inside look into what you guys do and help spread the word about it. It's important. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And hopefully uh, through this you'll get some people that – contact you to become a family yeah that would be great and even and even if they feel like you know even after our conversation they don't feel like they are in a position to do that that's okay too yeah it's just having the conversation yeah there's other ways you can give back sure yeah and the other thing is too they may hear it today and think no it's not right for them but they may go back and listen to it a year Mm -hmm. later two years later say you know what yeah Yeah, or even in a few years if they're in a different place I don't know, maybe right now they're struggling to get back into the workforce, but this could be a goal or a passion of theirs. And, you know, if it's if you keep it top of mind and, you know, they hear these kinds of episodes and Mm -hmm. it does keep it top of mind, then they can reach out when the time is right. Absolutely. Steve, thank you so much. Thank you. Always good seeing you. Thank you. And um, 
God, th- thank you for everything yes. you've been doing with these, you know, with these kids. I mean, it's amazing. So thank you. Yeah, wow. thank you for spreading the word. Oh, my pleasure. I want to thank Steve for coming on and make sure that you make a donation to the ARC. Just go to ARC, that's A-R-C-N-C-R dot org. You'll see the donate button there, and you'll also see all kinds of information about foster care, including a couple of videos. And speaking of which, Stephen has started a podcast, well, a vodcast, strictly video, but it's on the ARC's YouTube page. And I'll make sure I have a link in the show notes for that. It's called Treatment Foster Care Podcast, TFC Podcast. So make sure you check it out. And if you have any questions, no matter where you're at, more than likely there is an ARC by you. So make sure you check them out. And actually, you can go to the national website, which is thearc.org. That's T-H-E-A-R-C.org. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, or if you would like to recommend somebody for me to get on the podcast, or if there's a topic you want me to talk about, just go to conversationswithrichbennett.com, click the Be a Guest link, and fill out the form, and I'll get in contact with you, and we'll get everything set up. And while you're there, please subscribe to the podcast as well as the newsletter. And check out all my sponsors and, of course, my co-hosts. Please show your support for all of them as well. Until next time, my name is Rich Bennett. Stay safe, and thank you for joining the conversation.